Trojan fans, pay attention. This is your Cardinal and Gold Commitments Alert. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free, and I really do appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, it's really easy to become a subscriber. You just have to hit that red subscribe button, and it's done. And if you like the episode, hit that thumbs up. Both mean a whole, whole heck of a lot to the show. And because Locked On USC comes at you five times a week, Monday through Friday, hit that bell notification button. That way you will not miss an episode. And this week, you don't want to miss an episode. As you can see on uh, today's rundown, it's raining commitments. You might remember back in the, uh, for those of you who are old enough or uh, who are into uh, into that music, you might remember there was a one-hit wonder song from, uh, from a group called The Weather Girls called It's Raining Men. Well, on Monday, June 5th, 2023, it was raining hard, and it was raining Trojan football commitments. Hallelujah. Look, the wet, that this weather pattern, um, yeah, I'm, I'm into the meme right now. It, it started to form on Sunday, the day before, when the recruits start uh, started to get home from, their, uh, from the official visit that they took, the first one in the month of June. By the end of Monday, the skies had literally opened up over USC, and three more commitments um, had landed, and that brought the weekend's total to five. USC entered the weekend with three commits in their class for 2024. (laughs) They doubled that in less than 24 hours. Let's do a quick review. On Sunday, USC landed their first offensive lineman uh, for the 2024 cycle uh, out of Englewood, Colorado, Cherry Creek High School, Hayden Treeter. He made his pledge to the Trojans. He was the first offensive lineman this weekend to commit. You heard me correctly. Hang tight. I'll get to the second one here in just a couple minutes. Then, uh, on Sunday, while Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff were teaching nearly 700 campers of what life would be like if they chose or had the opportunity to be coached up at USC when they go to college. This happened on Sunday evening. USC got its second commitment. Um, and this one was from, uh, his name is Jarvis Boatwright Jr. Four-star safety, play, uh, comes from Clearwater, Florida. Now, I mentioned each one of them on yesterday's episode of Locked on USC, uh, so you can go back and uh, get a little bit more details. But things got really crazy on Monday morning. If Again, if you watched Monday's episode of Locked on USC, I told you, I told you that USC was getting a big-time commit Monday morning. Well, cornerback Dakota Fields was the player I was describing in those, uh, in, in the hints that I was dropping on yesterday's episode. So, six foot two, 185 pounds from Gardena Sarah. 
He picked USC, and his position coach is going to be Dante Williams. That's who. That's that's the reason why he chose USC. Well, he's a, Dante is among many reasons, but he played a primary role. Uh, as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, um, Makai Blackman's development under Dante is starting to kind of resonate. Uh, with other, you know, secondary recruits, defensive backfield recruits. Go watch the episode. You'll understand. Here's here's one quote that uh, Dakota gave WeRSC.com Scott Schrader uh, of why he chose USC. Quote, the reason I decided to commit right after my visit is because I want to start picking up momentum for our class. I also want to start networking with as many people as I can that are associated with the school. So there's a little bit of NIL mixed in there too at the end um, that USC's got their NIL program. It's running really smoothly right now. They, the recruits have seen the light. So if you want more quotes uh, from Dakota's uh, commitment, you know where to go. Head on over to wersc.com. But first, let's make sure you Taken all of Luckton, USC. I'll get you all your news and notes in 30 minutes or less. <clears throat> Don't forget, Dakota also chose USC over Oregon, Miami, Georgia, UCLA, and Ohio State. Let's go for another uh, commitment that happened on Monday. We've all heard the, the line, happy wife, happy life. Of course we have. Even those who haven't been married know know what that means because we know that when the lady of the house is happy life is good the food tastes better and all those other great things that moms do for us did for us um, thing life is just better when moms are happy so again that same that same philosophy applies to the moms <clears throat> uh, and when it comes to recruiting they're their boys, their, their babies. <clears throat> in other words, if you want to be the father figure and the mentor for for a mama's bear child, you need to convince the mom that you're worthy of it. I think Russian's coach, USC's Russian coach, uh, Roy Manning, he got one hell of an endorsement from Cameron Fountain's mom. <clears throat> Cameron Fountain, Rush End, Rush Edge from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Quote, this is from his mother. If Cam say today, Mom, I don't want to go on any more visits. I will be fine. His future means more to me. Football will be there and leave. What will happen when it's gone? USC has already made me comfortable. Comfortable enough to know that he will be okay. End quote. So <clears throat> sometime during Monday afternoon, uh, you saw the Trojan bat signal go up. The victory salute. I'm assuming that's why Coach Manning threw out his version of it. It was because a very short time after Cameron's mom tweeted that out, uh, Cameron Fountain tweeted out his commitment. Again, four-star, the young man's from Atlanta, Georgia. And what makes this pickup huge? It's because of whose backyard USC went into and plucked off the SEC tree. 
everyone really thought heading into the weekend that it was either going to be Tennessee or Georgia. Cameron was just coming out here for a visit, kind of get a feel for California. Instead, the Trojans said, thank you very much. We'll take a drink from the Cameron Fountain. And uh, to be able to take a recruit away from the, the SEC schools that were recruiting him, that kind of tells me that, hey, you know what? USC's defensive coordinator and defensive staff, in conjunction with Lincoln Riley, they, they know how to recruit. But USC wasn't done. Not yet. The day wasn't even over yet. Here comes USC's fifth commitment. And this would be in basically in a 24-hour period. In, the, in two days, uh, USC received five commitments. Sunday, Monday. Modesto, California, Central Catholic. He's four-star. His offensive tackle, his name is Manasi Atiti. He made his pledge for USC. <clears throat> he is the number 345th overall prospect, according to On3. He's the number 24 overall offensive tackle in the 2024 cycle. And he is the number 28th best player in the state of California. Remember last week, uh, heading into the weekend visit, I was asking on one of the episodes, why would a guy from Modesto be, in, be interested in Tallahassee, Florida? It, it looked like he was leaning towards the Florida State Seminoles. Well, he's not anymore. Look, uh, USC is off to a really good start now. The June official visits, first weekends in the books. And I said it on yesterday's episode that maybe USC got a silent commit out of the visit. I said that because there was some smoke around Taylor Tatum, the number one running back recruit in the country. Well, there was a fire. We got some confident confirmation over there on WeRSC.com. So all I can do is say, stay tuned. Let me let me kind of wrap a bow on this segment with recruiting, so we can move on because there's a lot to talk about with this show on the show. You want to know how impressive Monday was? <clears throat> Even the uncommitted recruits who USC is chasing, they're starting to voice their thoughts, their recognition of the job well done by USC's coaching staff. When Marcellus Williams saw Dakota Fields' commitment tweet. Marcellus Williams, the cornerback from St. John Bosco, uh, he tweeted at USC football, quote, damn, big eyeballs. So USC went into the weekend looking up at the top 10 for class rankings. I think they were like number 19, number 20, 21, depending on which recruiting service you choose. Well. I, you know me. I'm already on record. I uh, is saying that the Trojans would have a not just a top ten recruiting class when everything was said and done. I said they would have a top five recruiting class when everything was said and done. Well, USC is almost there, and June is in, is just starting to heat up. I mean, as of the moment, and that literally could be changing while I'm talking. USC has the number 14th ranked class, according to On3. 
I'm telling you right now, they will be a top 10 class before the end of the month because there are still more recruiting weekends ahead. And I've seen what happens once Lincoln Riley kind of gets these recruits up to his Palos Verdes Estates lair that looks out over the Pacific Ocean. As one parent said, when Lincoln Riley starts talking, it's mesmerizing. You need to head on over to FanDuel because it's the playoffs, they're almost over. So you really you need to make a really quick fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because the finals are here. It's Miami versus Denver. And because right now, if you're a new customer, you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. I'm going to repeat that again. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel gives you a whole bunch. They give you great promotions, like the one I just told you about. They give you a really safe and a really easy and a very secure mobile app to use. Plus, here's the best thing they offer. You get paid instantly with FanDuel. So there really is. There is no better place to bet all of your playoff action than with America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. What if I told you that the USC defense was going to be better this season? Well, it has to be better because it can't be worse than what we saw last year. I'm telling you, it's going to be better in 2023. And that includes having Alex Grinch as the defensive coordinator. Everyone knew he was coming back. Accept it. Now start to believe start to accept the fact that year two in the system things are going to be better let me tell you why the addition of greg brown to the defensive room as an in an analyst role he's going to bring years of experience we've talked about this before on on locked on usc but the other guys who are on Grinch's staff, same staff returning, they're also going to have more input this season. Last year, there was just so much repair work to be done with the roster. And there was so little time uh, to get those repairs done. And when you consider the resources that were available, uh, the players, including what they brought in through the transfer portal, um, when you, when you talk about the, the additions of players like Shane Lee and Eric Gentry and Makai Blackman, those guys got the job done. But it just kind of felt last year on defense, it, it kind of felt like, let me use this analogy. If you've ever rented, um, you know when you go to move out, you, you know, you pull up, you take the pictures off the walls and whatever, you got you know, little holes remaining in the walls where the nails and the screws were. Well, it's kind of like taking toothpaste to fill in those holes. That's what USC was trying to do on defense last year. Aesthetically, it, you got the job done. It looks good from the outside, but once you start testing the integrity, 
not really there. So not only was there more, I'm using finger quotes right now for those who aren't watching, toothpaste, uh, more portal transfers that's being supplied in 2023 to fill in those cracks. It's a better quality. And I'm not knocking the guys who came last year. I'm just talking matter of fact. USC brought in bigger, better players, and that is just going to have a bigger and better impact on the defense this year. And it's going to help fill in those cracks, add more integrity to USC's defense. Another thing that's happening uh, is the coaching staff themselves, the individual coaches, uh, I think they're going to have a little bit more input. It's not so much that it was Grinch's way or no way last year. However, as I said, um, leading into the segment, there, there was a lot of repair work, and there, was, there wasn't a lot of time um, to make the things, to make the defense presentable for the next set of eyeballs, a.k.a. the fans who are coming to the games. Remember, if you, I've talked about how Lincoln Riley said he had over 600 pages on his iPad when he took over the program of things he needed to fix, notes, Just imagine how much of that was actually on the defense. So knowing that there was a lot to do and very little time to get it done, the most important thing was just getting the new system on defense installed without a bunch of, you know, okay, let's, you know, make sure everything looks perfect. If you've ever done, you know, uh, fixing up around the house, you know what I'm talking about. You just want to get things working. And you, you go back afterwards and you try and make everything look pretty. So they were, I think that was the philosophy last year. Let's just get things in. Let's get it working, functional. And hopefully as we go, we can make it look pretty. Well, as they went along, it never got pretty. You saw glimpses of what it could look like. But again the resources weren't always readily available. So there wasn't really the time to kind of tailor the defense around the players that USC had in year one. However, now that the system is in place, uh, I believe Sean Nua, defensive line, Roy Manning, rush end, Brian Odom, linebackers, Dante Williams, cornerbacks, uh, each of them, they're going to have a much you know, a larger say in the scheme and making adjustments within the scheme. And all of this uh, came about pretty much right after that Cotton Bowl loss. Remember, we've talked about it before on on Locked on USC. Um, I, I try and bring you all the inside information that I can, uh, as much as I can, without kind of d- throwing anybody under the bus and, and divulging sources and and the uh, the grizzle, so to speak. But after the Cotton Bowl loss, you know, the roster's limitations and the lack of, and understanding, you know, the, the lack of depth on defense, that was understood by everybody. Myself, the fans, the ones with the common sense, fans with the common sense understood that. Um, but the coaching staff, too, they understood that. But... What everybody also saw from the coaching staff through the fans 
was poor tackling angles and maybe some failed in-game adjustments. And that can't always be laid at the player's feet. The coaching staff had to take a long, hard look at how they did their job after the season was over. And if that meant, you know, coming to the realization that, hey, you know what? They need to be more open-minded to other ideas and personnel choices. Then if that's what came out of that, you know, their meeting, then let's just hope that the, you know, coaches used last year as a learning experience. Look, Lincoln Riley, he chose to retain Alex Grinch during the offseason. And this was, again, after the coaching staff had a chance together to review the film, all the game film, and have their, um, you know, their come-to-Jesus meeting, so to speak. However, again, out of that meeting came an understanding of what steps needed to be taken on defense. Each coach, they got their chance to have their input. And I think out of that came a much more competent staff with definitely a better fitting pieces for this year's, you know, that will be on this year's roster that fit the scheme. And it's going to produce better defense. And the depth is just going to be the first thing to help that right away. Because remember, despite all those glaring issues last year on defense, the team still was just, they narrowly missed making the playoffs. That's how close they were. This year, it's playoffs or bust. So should Colorado and Arizona, and for that matter, everybody else in the Pac-12 be sending USC thank you cards? I know everyone is hoping that the Pac-12, less USC and UCLA, could survive, um, and that San Diego State and SMU were the replacements that were under consideration. But the the smoke is getting really thick, and it appears that Colorado is headed to the Big 12, and Arizona is going to be tagging along with them. That was, uh, I read that on OutKick. OutKick the coverage. It, according to sources, Colorado sent a, uh, a, a team, I would say a team of administrators, down to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I think at this point, everyone is just dotting the I's, crossing the T's. Everybody's scrambling. So really, it's it's pretty much it's just a matter of time before Utah and Arizona State they ask Colorado and Arizona, hey, can you hold a place in line for us? Because that's probably their likely destination as well. Those four corner schools, those four corner states, work well together. I, I so I, here's a question then: What should happen to the Pacific Northwest and the Bay Area schools. I know Oregon thinks they belong in the Big Ten Conference with USC and 
UCLA. Um, but let's be honest, Washington probably fits that bill better. Here's the problem. I believe the state of Washington has something in, in their bylaws that says they're, both their schools, Washington and Washington State University, they're kind of tied to the hip. Wherever one is, the other has to go. So I'm not sure if adding three schools to the big conference makes sense, and I'm referring to the two Washington schools. Um, so actually, I'm, let me rephrase that. I'm not sure adding the Bay Area schools and Washington makes sense. It would probably make more sense to add four schools and that way you're keeping the number even at 20. And then if we're looking at from a logistical point of view, adding the Bay Area schools make the most sense. So just add two, but the Pacific Northwest schools fend for themselves. The reason why I like bringing Cal and Stanford along is it keeps the natural rivalries alive with the two LA schools and travel is reduced significantly for USC and UCLA. If USC is going to play seven home games a year, which everybody assumes is going to be the case, then that could keep the majority of the games in the Pacific time zone. If the Pac-12 implodes, then it's time for college football just to and its NCA association and form its own league with a commissioner. Because I think at this point, um, should everyone just, I think we should just anticipate the Pac-12 becoming a mention in the history books. It's taking a little bit too long for George Klyovkov, <coughs> excuse me, to get that new Pac-12 media rights deal taken care of. I, they've already passed the June 1st date that uh, is gonna cost San Diego State, I don't know, 30 million extra to leave the Mountain West. So unless everything is done and they're just waiting for the right day to announce it, I'm not sure why, um, it kind of appears like the Pac-12 is going to have its last year in 2023. So, everyone, you can send your thank you cards to USC. They uh, they helped make this happen. I, I, maybe there's a little bit of sadness involved, but I think, big picture, the game has changed. It's big business. It's all about money. And the Pac-12 just wasn't doing it. They weren't competitive. USC could not compete against the other programs they are known to compete against. Those other programs, Washington, Oregon, they kind of always rode USC's coattails. The entire Pac-12 rode USC's coattails. Now, everybody kind of has to look out for themselves. Survival of the fittest. All right, I'm going to be back again with another episode of Locked on USC tomorrow because we do this five times a week, Monday through Friday. 
and I'm going to have another update on recruiting because I have a feeling there's going to be a, I don't know how much more, but there's going to be more recruiting information to go over. There might be another one or two commitments to bring you up to date with. But until that next episode of Locked on USC, everyone, you know what to do.